Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. Roger Nairn is not able to make it today, unfortunately, so it's just me flying solo, but uh, that is okay because we have an unbelievable conversation with, for you today. Uh, so this podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Imagine having experienced mentors with decades of wisdom delivered right to your ears. We'll talk about purpose, legacy, influence, love, sex, happiness, success, and so much more. Don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, share, and join the thousands of other changemakers in our community on Facebook or go to www.mantalks.com. So today I have a very special guest and friend with me. Uh, his name is Preston Smiles. For those of you who don't know or who haven't seen Preston Smiles, he's a bit of a, a sensation right now. He's he's hot stuff. Um, so I had the the opportunity to meet Preston in Los Angeles back in April where he spoke at Man Talks LA, the first event. And I was moved and inspired by how incredible and how fluid and how in flow this guy is when it comes to talking about happiness and love and joy within ourselves and within our relationships. So Preston's mission is to empower, inspire, and ignite a multi-generational movement of radical growth through conscious creative content, acts of love, and living boldly. He believes that we're here to leave the planet a better place than we found it, and he's committed to motivating others to join him on that mission and live their best life right now. Preston does a lot of things. He's a He's a YouTube, a little bit of a YouTube sensation. He's got, you know, tens and tens of thousands of followers on there. Uh, he's got some really great videos. He's, uh, you know, a best-selling author. He's got a couple books out there. He's got another one coming out later on this year, which we touch on. But realistically, the, the main reason why you should stay tuned and dialed into this, what I would suggest is grab a pen and paper. Not because you're going to be forced to write anything down, you have to do anything. But as I was sitting here having a conversation with with Preston, I found myself writing things down, writing down quotes, writing down ideas, writing down, you know, something that I want to sit with or write, write down and, and, and dive into in my relationship or, or within my business or within my, my purpose in life. So it's uh, action packed. He's looked very high energy and we dive into a few different subjects um, like intimacy and relationships. We dive into masculinity. We dive into success. We dive into love. Um, so this is a juicy, like action packed one. So hold on to your hats. Here we go. Amazing. So Preston, I am so excited to have you on the man talks podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, oh. <laughs> yes, sir. What's up, Connor? Oh yeah. All right. It's time. It's it's game time, man. I'm so excited that we're finally making this happen. You spoke at Man Talks Los Angeles, LA, and uh represented in April earlier this year, and you absolutely rocked the stage. So I'm I'm sorry it's taken us so long to uh, get you on here, but I'm excited to have you. So um we're gonna kick things off and uh, I'm gonna ask you the question. Are you ready? Let's do it. Bring it. All right. What is a defining moment, a defining moment in your life? Or tell us a story about a defining moment in your life that has shaped who you are today. For sure, man. Um, 
I'll say this. I'll, I'll uh, preface it with uh, with my true understanding, which is every moment is a defining moment. But I'll, I'll give you a juicy one. When I was nine years old, I was taken out of uh, you know, regular classes and put into special education classes with um, kids who were literally mentally ill, like slobbering all over themselves because I didn't learn like everybody else. And they didn't catch that I had a, you know, a mild case of dyslexia and that I just wasn't standard like the standard test. And so I definitely didn't know how to hold that. So I made some stories up about myself that I was dumb, that I was stupid, that I was less than. And so, you know, in my nine-year-old consciousness, I began to overcompensate because I wanted to feel accepted and, and valued and appreciated and belong. And so I started, you know, bullying the bullies and befriending the nerds in order to gain this acceptance. By the time I was 11, I was smoking weed and I joined a gang. In that time, I essentially, a people pleaser was born. I was, in essence, at home, this angel child, and on the streets, I was a straight-up terrorist. And so by the time I was 15 years old, I was towing that line really well. I was on the basketball team, but I was also essentially in a gang, spray painting, fighting, stealing from liquor stores, and you know, living double life. I had this crew of friends who were also, some of them were on the basketball team, some of them weren't. And we would get in this blue Astro van every night and go drink and they would smoke and we'd hang out and just be dumb, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old kids. And I was one of the youngest ones in the crew. This was my first really true understanding of intuition. Uh, Because one particular night, my, my buddy called Scott, who was one of my best friends. And he was like, yo, Pete, we going out tonight. You coming? I was like, no, nah, man, I'm a chill. And he was like, oh, don't be a beep. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to be a beep tonight. And um, he's like, all right, we'll get up tomorrow. Now, take in mind, Scott and I were, I'm not sure if you guys do this in Canada, but like um, we would always yell shotgun. It's the, the thing for trying to get the front seat. Did you do uh, that in Canada? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. We do that here, too. Okay. So, it, you know, at 15, Scott and I were like the shotgun champions. And we had all these rules where you had to be one step outside of the house in order to call it and all this stuff, right? Uh, this particular night, you know, Scott got shotgun because I wasn't there trying to claim it. And uh, so we hung up the phone. And within an hour, Rudy, Scott, Emmanuel, and a bunch of other dudes in the van pulled up to a 7-Eleven to get some alcohol. And they pulled up next to a guy who was very disgruntled. And Scott being, you know, a 16-year-old, you know, kid thinking he's invincible, looked at the guy. The guy looked back. The guy said, what are you looking at? And Scott said something like, I'm looking at you, motherfucker, or something like that. And the guy got out of his car and shot Scott directly in the head. And he died immediately. And he shot every single person in that blue Astro van that I was in the night before and the night before and the night before. For me, this was definitely a defining moment. And there's a little more to the story because in my 15-year-old consciousness, I I didn't know how to hold that. You know, up until that point, you know, all the stuff we were doing, it didn't really, it was dangerous, but it didn't seem that dangerous. You know, it wasn't real in that way for me. And so having someone actually die and be shot and everybody be shot, you know, scared me enough where I asked my father, could I leave? And he was like, where do you want to go? And I was like, I don't care. I cannot be in California. So he sent me to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I got off a plane. There was a sign with my name on it. And uh, this woman, Shirley Russell, uh, who was my dad's high school sweetheart, took me in. She lived in a, a little town outside of Pittsburgh called North Allegheny, 
which, you know, at the time was one of the, you know, wealthiest sort of pockets of Pennsylvania. And the high school there, which was a public school, was one of the healthy, wealthiest schools in the nation. And so they had football field, turf football fields and like state of the art, everything you could eat off the ground. It was like this beautiful, pristine college campus that was a high school. And so I get there and I realize that I'm the only black male in the entire school. And I'm like this cool alien that everybody wants to hang out with and like take to the parties and like, everyone's like, we got a black guy, you know, and they're like pumped. Right. And so um, <laughs> this one particular night, a few weeks in, I, I joined another gang called Wexford Mafia, which was all these, you know, essentially Caucasian young males. I'm in this kid, Brad's BMW, and we're riding on our way to a party. And I have this realization and this realization literally is the thing that changed my life. It's why I do what I do even now. Um, I had this realization as they were smoking weed, drinking, listening to Outkast, Tupac and Biggie, that the kids at my former school were doing the exact same thing, but getting two different results based on the environment and the expectations set up for them. I had this realization that, you know, my friends at my former school at Carson High School and all the other schools I went to that got kicked out of were, you know, going to, to jail. You know, and, and these kids who were doing the same things were going to yell. And like the only difference was the expectation and the environment set up. And so I realized that underneath all of our stories, whether it be gay, straight, white, black, Christian, Muslim, Democrat, Republican, Canadian, American, whatever it is, underneath all of that is our truth, which is love. Love is all there is, was, and ever will be. And so I went on quite the journey from that point, but that was the defining moment for me where I was like, oh, I get it. We're all the same. There's only one of us here. We're all connected. And now what the hell do I do with that? Mm. That's powerful, man. And that's one, one powerful story and one heck of a journey. And I mean, it's, it's interesting because the, the contrast between, you know, going from the Astro van to the BMW, but still having the same thing. Yeah. Right. And I think that it's so applicable to so many people's lives where, you know, maybe they, they quote unquote level up, but the problems are still the same. The, the issues. Oh, uh, yes. Same, right. Yeah, no, matter, no matter where you go, there you are, man. Yeah. The biggest yeah. and best project you can ever work on is yourself. I say all the time, if you build you, they will come period. That's awesome. Uh, I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. I mean, thanks so much for sharing that. Cause I, I know that that's like some, some pretty crazy stuff. And I think that there's, there's a lot to unpack in there, right? Like this idea of in, intuition and, and struggling as a kid with dyslexia, like, you know, I think that probably lands for a lot of people because, you know, even for me, like as a, you know, guy growing up in central Alberta, which is like, you know, Texas and Canada, but minus 30 <laughs> and, a lot of, and a lot of snow, you know, like I, I was one of those like, you know, jocks that had ADD and was just like all over the map. Yes. And, and so, you know, and, and it's, and it's interesting to see and hear the story of somebody who struggled with something like dyslexia growing up and, and, you know, had was considered to have like a quote unquote learning disability and then doing what you're doing today. Like that's one hell of a ride. I was wondering, I just wanted to go back to this idea of intuition and, and I would love for you to unpack that a little bit for us because I think, you know, for, for a lot of guys, we're really like analytical, like we're really yes, logical. Yeah. 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 We're like really heady, you know, like we're, we, we want to like, process everything or process if you're down in the states like that's <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what we do right we, we see a problem and we're like i'm gonna i'm gonna process the shit out of this and i'll figure out the solution exactly and, and, you know more and more over the last couple of years i've tuned into intuition it's been one of the big game changers in my life and for a lot of men i see them 
struggling to drop into their heart or drop in their gut or, or whatever that is. And so I'm wondering if you can unpack what intuition means to you. Yeah, for, for me, intuition means first thought. It means God voice. It means that thing that's calling us forward, that's always there. See, Connor, in my opinion, there's a part of all of us that has never been hurt, harmed, or endangered. There's a part of us that's still innocent, still pure. And as far as our science goes for the logical people, and as far as our, you know, we could dive into the spiritual and the mysticism side, but as far as we know at this point, we have no clue what starts the heart. We don't know where that first moment that, right, that, that thing that starts that heartbeat. We don't know what that is. Some people call it God. Some people call it spirit. Some people call it, you know, we talk about the Big Bang, but we still are unclear. And in my opinion, whatever created us, I don't have to know whatever name is on the door for you. I just have to know the knower. Whatever created us is speaking through us at all times, in all ways. Now, it's kind of like a, like a radio receiver or like, for instance, I live you know, on the second floor uh, of this you know, luxury apartment in Venice Beach. And we have a basement where our cars are. And the moment I go to get my car, I can no longer, I don't have a signal for my new iPhone 7. And so I can't send any text messages out because uh, the signal is blocked. And, you know, we're sort of the same way. When we're paying attention to things that do not support our highest growth, we block the signal. We block that. We block the the voice, that still small voice that is always calling us forward. Mm. So the work for me in, in even opening up the channel so we can hear intuition is about paying attention to the things that do not feel good in our lives. For instance, if you find yourself watching Ty Lopez or Grant Cardone and you're like, oh, every time I see them, I feel like I don't have enough money and I need to go chase it. Well, that's not necessarily helping your signal, right? Same thing with uh, porn and overeating or, you know, I, I have a lot of buddies who when they watch porn, they open up Pandora's box. And the moment you open up Pandora's box, they go into this, you know, uh, objectifying women and they start chasing, you know, from that base sort of animal desire. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you were led by that, that is not, um, you might as well be a caveman. And mm-hmm. so for me, the game is to pay attention to what is blocking the signal, to slow down to the speed of wisdom and just listen sometimes. Like I, I'm sure if they, if I took a test, which, I actually just did recently, um, and I'll get the results back in probably a couple weeks. If they tested me for ADD and all that stuff, I would probably have everything. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm pretty high energy. If anybody's ever seen me, I like I have a lot of energy, and it's all over the place, which is why I was terrible at school in the beginning. But the the point being is that I understand that when I slow down, you know, one of the best ways to support ourselves and being the best versions of ourselves is to actually just listen just to stop we we're moving so damn fast we have the most crazy to-do list our phones follow us everywhere i put my phone on airplane mode every night just so it's not so i'm not receiving more and more messages you know even throughout the night you know like taking time to slow down and actually be in nature and be still and and see what is trying to speak through in and as you Mm. That's awesome, man. I, uh, like, I do the same thing, actually, with the phone, turning it off. I started doing that every night so that when I wake up in the morning, I don't have, like, you know, text messages and emails coming through and my brain, like, goes into do mode. Exactly. But I, I think that, something, I, you know, something that you just said really hit home. Like, I have this saying, 
with some of the guys that I work with, with it, which is if it just fills your wallet and drains your balls, it's probably not going to be fulfilling. Yeah. And, and, but for so many of us, those are the things that we pursue. Those are the things that we chase yep. and, and, and we are like attach meaning to these external factors. And so I want, I would love for you to unpack this idea of chasing because what you just said is so profound in so many ways. And I think for a lot of, a lot of men and a lot of women out there that are, that are listening to this, there is that like chasing going on from a very primal place in a lot of areas of their life, whether they're chasing love or they're chasing money or yep. they're, they're chasing fitness, like wh- whatever the case may be, but there's not, there's not a grounding in that. So how do you shift that from chasing and what's on the other side of that? What's the healthier version of that for you? Absolutely. So this is the first thing we all have to understand. The game is to be self-generated. That's the game. That's what I'm up to. Do I do that all the time? Absolutely not. Does anybody get an A++? No, not on this planet, not at this time, right? But to even be in the pursuit of making sure that we are self-generated, meaning that there is none of my happiness outside of myself, right? So one of the things I teach, I have a, um, a group coaching program called Stretch 22, and I do it every six months. I take people from you know, the rooted to the tutor, we go all the way. And one of the things that I teach in the very beginning of that is this concept that I've been playing with for a few years now, which is approval, control, and security. We have three desires, three wants that we're always looking to fulfill, approval, control, and security. So approval would be, i.e., wanting to be validated, wanting to be loved, wanting to be liked, right? Security, which is our base desire, survival, safety, Right. And when those two things go out the window, we usually lean on uh, control, which we may also call manipulation. Right. So having a understanding that these three desires are always looking to be met at all times and then saying, oh, where am I looking for these to be met outside of myself? Oh, I see. I'm trying to get the car so I can feel approved of, so I can be validated. Oh, I'm trying to make this certain amount of money. So I can feel secure finally. But the truth is, and we know this, we've all met. I mean, I have clients who are millionaires who are broke as hell. They have all the money in the bank, but they're broke as hell. So we all know lots of people. And if you've ever traveled to a quote unquote third world country, you've seen some of the happiest people on the planet and they don't have nearly most of the stuff that we think we need in order to be happy. So it's not a fact that money or goods or things outside of ourselves equate happiness. So we know this. It's logical. That's even logical. That's not even like way out there. The issue is, is that most of us are not looking in the most subtle ways in which we are doing this all day, every day. So with my clients, I have them become scientists of themselves and I have them monitoring. I have them setting alarms. An alarm goes off three times a day. And every time the alarm goes off, I have them look at in their phone, the alarm goes off in their phone and I have them just look at past, present, or even where they're projecting in the future, where they're trying to seek approval, control, or security outside of themselves. So that would look like when I get, you know, uh, 10,000 followers, then I'll do blank. You know, when I meet the right girl, then I'll be blank. When I, you can fill in the blank everywhere. It's the if, when, right? Mm, Yeah, man. This happens or, 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 you know, when this happens, then I'll. And so I have them looking throughout their entire lives to find out where they are not being self-generated and then make a new choice 
Alexi and I, uh, my wife, just wrote a book called Now or Never, where we break this whole thing down times a thousand. And it's really fun and like practical, but also uh, lends to concepts that most people have never really broken down in this way. So I could go on and on for hours about this particular subject, but <laughs> we definitely have a book uh, that's coming out December 27th, if anybody's looking to uh, dive deeper into it. Yeah, so it's it's now or never your epic life in five steps. Yeah, exactly. Now or never the book dot com. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, well, maybe we'll have to have you back in the in the new year to talk about some of the book and unpack a little bit more of that. But you know, I I agree hundred percent. Like this perspective that you just shared, Alan Watts for the for the people that are out there that are familiar with Alan Watts. He like he talked about this concept a lot that if we identify within ourselves something which we need to fix then how are we supposed to fix it if we're the ones that need fixing? And yep. so like this strange dichotomy and, and he goes at length and, and basically what, what I just, uh, you know, correlated with what you said and what he's been saying is, is this idea is this concept that the only way for us to make tangible change is to slow down and simply observe within us, you yep. know? And, and it's in that space of observation where we have just a, a hope, a glimmer of being able to make any sort of real change because then we can observe our inherent nature. We can observe the things that we're chasing and we can pause to actually make a choice in that moment rather than just running on autopilot. So yes. super, yes. super powerful, brother. I love it. So you kind of like, you kind of went from like, you know, dealing in this, you know, in the streets and, and running with gangs to like dealing love, right? Like, is that... Is that, is that like an apt description? Like you really like help people tap into this idea of like love and happiness and, and joy and, and yes. in their life. Yeah. People would call me a personal freedom coach because that's what I'm all about. I'm about being free with or without all the things and reminding people that, that you know, we ask for a big life and now we get big challenges, you know, and, and most people fold at that time. But I remind people to double down, you know, and give it all they have. Mm. You know, there's nothing on our plates that we can't handle. Anything that you're experiencing right now, you called for, you asked for. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, so, you know, you've, you've worked with a lot of people around North America and around the world because, you have you know, you've traveled to Australia and you worked with people there. And so you've, you have a very unique perspective on sort of human culture and human connection. Yeah. And I'm so curious as to what you feel is the biggest misconception about love. Ah. Uh. Um, and I'd say it's a very simple, small question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's the biggest misconception about love? Uh, if we're talking about romantic love, it's that, you know, somebody else is going to complete us. That's mm. somebody else. Or, or that they, you know, if stuff happens, meaning we get into arguments or, you know, I, I'm not as attracted to them, you know, for something, some reason after six months, then I need to leave. You know, we, we swipe through, through, you know, Tinder and these apps, like, like it's grocery shopping. And because of that, we're always looking for the next thing. So I think that people get in trouble because they're running too fast. And remember, no matter where you go, there you are. And so we, you'll keep running into yourself and keep finding new versions of the same woman or the same partner until you face off with you. We're always and always in a relationship with ourselves. And so until we can fill our own cup and give from the overflow, you're in a, you're, 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 here's the thing. Chasing the destination, chasing the result is a fool's game because the ego will never be satisfied. The ego will always want more. 
So instead of chasing this perfect relationship, stopping for a moment and just realizing that you already have it. That's the work I do is I support people. People come to me and they say, I want to become this. I'm going to become that. And I always go back to, it's not about becoming, it's about revealing, revealing what's already here. The magic is already here. The beauty is already here. The harmony is already here. The abundance is already here. You're sitting on your pot of gold. But the problem is, is you're sitting on it looking in someone else's yard, thinking that they have it. Meanwhile, your grass is dying because you're not watering it. So for me, it's about filling one's own cup and giving from the overflow. Mm. Yeah, man, that's, that's powerful. Like it, I know in your, in your last book, Love Louder, you, know, you talked about this idea that the key to living is, is giving. Yes. And I, I think that's such a powerful, it's just such a powerful space because so often we like inherently come from this place of needing to get, right? It's like, I need to get something, I need to get something. Yep. Um, you know, and, and so many people get caught in like this lack mentality. And, you know, so for, for people out there that, that might be looking to shift that perspective, like how, how, how can people shift that perspective to give more? And maybe, like, do you ever talk about the, the, the law of reciprocity at all? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so can you unpack that a little bit for us? Well, yes. Let me start with this. You, you only get to keep what you give away. Mm-hmm. And so I, one of the things I teach is the three G's. So giving, growth, and gratitude. And the giving part is understanding that everything in the universe is constantly moving, constantly changing. I think it was Shakespeare that said uh, in Romeo and Juliet, my bounty is as boundless as the sea, my love as deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have, for both are infinite. What Shakespeare is talking about is the giving is in the getting that it's always circulating. It's why people like Oprah are so damn wealthy because she's always looking to support because she understands that there's only one of us here. And when we move from that lack and limitation consciousness to an abundance consciousness, the universe has no choice but to match that. We now know in science, for all of my logical, analytical uh, people out there, we now know in science that everything is energy, that everything is vibrating. That when we break it down and break it down and break it down, there's actually nothing there. So really, if you want to change your life, start giving, start moving from that place because it is a direct signal to whatever the hell created us, whatever the heaven created us, that we are living from abundance and abundance can only attract more abundance. So you know, law of reciprocity as far as, and this is, we can break this down a million ways, um, even in your business. When you keep asking, uh, let's just say I say, hey, Connor, can you, um, you know, fly out of California and, you know, treat me to lunch? And you're like, no. And I'm like, okay, awesome. <laughs> At that point, we've now just enacted the law of reciprocity, which basically means that the next time I ask, he's going to be more apt to say yes because he said no to me already. Kids do this to their parents all the time. You're like, can I go? Can I go? Can I go? And they, no, no, no. Can I have this toy? Can I have this toy? No, no, no. Can I go here? No, no, no. And then that, that fourth one, they're like, damn it. We've told him no so many damn times. <laughs> got to give this kid one yes. Um, so I, that's one way of looking at it. But uh, the point for me is that, you know, the river is always circulating, you know? And, and when we, when we, move into that circulation we align ourselves with that which is always moving which is always 
people get stagnant or they go up river because they, they're trying to hoard and hold on to everything. And this is something I had to learn big time because my mom and my sister are both accountants. So I'm the dude who always has money because I'm always storing everything for the winter, right? Like, but my money gets stagnant. My business has stopped many times because I'm, I'm taking all the profit and just holding it, not putting it, not investing it back in. And that's the thing that has gotten in my way. So I know that was a lot of answers to one thing, but uh, we could start there. <laughs> we'll just we'll just start there. We'll we'll start with that forgiving. <laughs> no, I think that's so powerful, man. And I the, the, just going back to the saying, like if you want to make money, you got to spend money, right? Like that that even that simple business saying, yes. which, which I think a lot of people take for granted, is is the law of reciprocity in action, right? Yep. And you know, if you if you want to save money, you also have to spend money. That doesn't mean that you should spend it frivolously. Um, but this this goes for any area, right? If you want to get love, you got to give love. That's that's yeah. where that's where it all starts. So yeah. I wanted to pop over because you know you and and Alexi have a public relationship, but also from the outside, like a really powerful relationship. You're both powerhouses. You're both you know creating love in the world. You're both supporting people and and helping people grow and, and experience love. And and so I would love for all the listeners to to get a chance to take a peek behind the Preston Alexi curtain. And um, not that I'm going to ask you like anything crazy. Uh, you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you go for it. Um, but, um, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of people are always wondering, like, how will I know? You know, how yeah. will I know that she's the one or he's the one? And like, what will happen within me for me to know that how can I face my demons in order to be with that person? Yeah. And so I was wondering if you could share some perspective of, a, how did you know it was Alexi? And and B, what did you have to overcome initially in order to be with her? Absolutely, man. So I'll start with this. Um, it is not the mountain that we conquer, but ourselves. And so I understood that even going into calling Alexi in, which I absolutely did, I consciously said, I'm ready for my one. So I'm going to go to work on myself. So when she comes, remember, success occurs when preparation meets opportunity. Success occurs or happens when preparation meets opportunity. The problem is, is most of us aren't prepared. We're cheating, we're screwing up, we're swiping through Tinder all day, every day, and then the one comes or this amazing woman and you can't hold it or handle it because you haven't been in the gym. So for me, I knew that. I knew that I was letting my dick do all the talking for years. Mm. And so I made a decision to do six months of celibacy, just to see who I was without um, letting any, let's say, uh, you know, juices come outside of myself. That means even pleasuring myself. Like I literally, six months, nothing, everything stayed in me, all my chi inside of me. During that process, it was super uncomfortable. I had also uh, stopped drinking and I just wanted to see who I was without all these vices and without doing all the stuff that everybody else does. And so in doing so, I cleared my channel. Remember, like that, that cell phone, if you go underground, you block the signal. And I wanted my signal to be strong as hell. I wanted it to be like freaking Sprint and AT&T and Verizon all together. <laughs> like I was like, yo, let me get my signal game right. So if, when, and I knew it wasn't even, a, it wasn't even an if, it was when she comes, I'll be ready. So first of all, I decided that I was ready for her, meaning not now, but that I was 
I was calling her in. So fellas, you know, we have to be intentional about what we're up to. Second thing I'll add is that everybody who comes into your life is a soulmate. Everyone, especially someone you choose to share your body with and, and be in the dance with. You know, I was coaching one of our friends, Connor, who happens to have a gigantic following mm-hmm. um, on this very thing, which is why I made that video called uh, How to Attract the One in Five Steps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I was supporting him with was understanding, because he was saying how he doesn't want to give his heart fully to a girl if she's not the one. And I said, well, that's the exact opposite of what you should be doing, because this is practice. Just like with any sport, you don't just half-ass practice all the time and then think you're going to get in the game and be ready. That's not how it works. Like you go hard and practice. So when the game time comes, you are absolutely ready. So I reminded him that the best thing he could ever do is treat the girl he's with right now like she's the one. Because in that, he'll face off with and get all the lessons he needs. So when his real chick comes, he is like a warrior standing, ready to go. And he's, he's got all the lessons and he's, he's the space for her to come into. So there's that. When I did meet Alexi, I didn't know it was her. I was on a date with somebody else, actually. I was on a blind date. No way. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> my intuition said go on the date. I wasn't going to go on the date because I wasn't letting my dick run the show. And because I wasn't letting my, my penis run the show, when she got to my door, I was like, oh, that's not her. I knew it energetically. I knew it wasn't my girl, but I also knew enough to slow down and ask for guidance to get still and ask for guidance. So I went in my room by myself and I just sat there and I was like, am I supposed to go? And what came back was yes, absolutely. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yes. I was like, cool. All right. So I got dressed, was late to the show. They said, we oversold the show by 10 seats. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Cool. The guy takes two steps away from me and my date turns back around and keep in mind, there's like, you know, 15 people behind us, like, and with us. And he goes, actually, you two, I'm going to add two more seats to the front row. And he sits, he put the, the two seats down. My date sits down. I sit down next to her. I look at the stage. I look at my date and next to her is Alexi. And in that moment, I absolutely knew that that's why I went on that date. Now, did I know over and over again throughout the years? And do I keep remembering and seeing how she's my one? Absolutely. You know, on our, on our first date, I had another one of those realizations on, you know, two months in, I was like, Oh my God, this is it. But here's what I want fellas, you to really understand. It's not always like the movies, you know, it's different for everybody. How some people come into relationships and the purpose of the relationship is not to be this lust-filled, you know, merry-go-round where they're screwing on cars and, you know, traveling the world and doing all this crazy stuff. Some people get in relationships and they come from a whole different space, but you still love the person. And so the best thing you could do is not compare, you know, your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20 or compare in at all. Everyone in your space, anybody who you're dating right now is your soulmate. Now, is there a absolute one? Yes. There's somebody who, when it's all said and done, is going to be the soulmate that, you know, you ride out into the sunset with and until that ends, which may end up being in death at 90 years old or, you know, six years later. Hmm. Um, the point being is like you, you get to enjoy the journey and, and see 
that there are no mistakes in the universe and that anybody in your space is, is supposed to be there. That's really powerful, man. I think that's a, it's a huge, I mean, it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to take in. No, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a, lot. A, lot of, a lot of people out there, but I think that there are some like really, really clutch lessons in there for people. And, and really it's that concept of being the one to attract the one. Right. Yes. And again, I think it goes back to what we started off talking about, which is that idea of searching and seeking, you know, like if you're just in seek mode, if you're just in like searching mode and you're just like out to like find her, you're kind of like repelling this. You're putting out this energy of like, I got to get, I got to get. But if you are in this space of I'm going to be the one, like I'm going to, I'm just going to be everything that I can be right now. I'm going to live with integrity I'm going to honor my word. Uh, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to stand firm in what I want in order to be happy and a, and a strong, successful person. Then I'm doing everything that I can in order to be the person that will attract my person. And I, I think that's hugely, hugely powerful. So on this sort of like line about love and, and relationships, what do you think is true about love that, that most people are avoiding or scared to admit? Because I think that's such a, an interesting dichotomy i think that there's 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 things about love and relationships that people often avoid and it's the things that people avoid that they need to learn the most so for sure yeah so what do you think that is i think it's easy to get naked Um, i think it's easy to take off your clothes and have sex Um, you know people do it all the time but opening your soul to someone letting them into your spirit thoughts fears hopes dreams like that's being naked and i think most people are avoiding uh, that that level of vulnerability I think they don't want to um, be seen because they haven't even seen themselves and it, it scares them. Uh, I think that most people are not living their full potential. And, you know, I say in our, in our workshops all the time, what imprisons you also points to your freedom. And the thing you're most afraid to face off with, the thing you avoid at all costs is the thing that points to your freedom and everything is touching everything. So when you face that, you literally, it's like dominoes. You just knock out the whole freaking thing and your money game and your family game and your love game and your everything up levels, upgrades, elevates. I'm, I know this as fact because that's exactly what I'm experiencing in my life. The moment I decided to take me on and really go, all right, P, what are you really afraid of? Let's walk towards that. Cool. You're afraid of intimacy? Cool. Let's walk towards that. People who met me even 10 years ago, seven years ago, while I was still doing this work would be like, yo, you're kind of closed off. That's, that was true for them. And I totally get that because I was. That was the thing that I was afraid of, of letting people all the way in. Because if I let them all the way in, then they could hurt me. And if they hurt me, I may have to hurt them back. And I don't want to have to hurt anybody back. So I'll just mm-hmm. keep everybody at arm's distance. Well, you see, I was, you know, sort of protecting myself, but I also was keeping out all the goodness. And remember back to that stream, back to that circulation that Shakespeare was talking about. I block the flow when I do that. Mm. And the point is, is to be with the flow, is to be a conscious choice maker within the flow. Yeah, man, I think most of us are avoiding. We're avoiding being spiritually naked, you know, letting someone truly in. And, and like that, to me, is the thing that will up-level everything in your life. When you can drop in with people, like I hear it all the time. People are like, dude, you're so freaking present. Like, wow. That, all of us, when it's all said and done, Connor, just want to be, feel seen and heard. 
Mm. Like we want to experience love. We want to feel like we matter to someone. And when you can drop in with somebody, that can't help but to affect everything in your life, including your business. Yeah, it's it's so true, man. It's so true. I it's so funny that you, like you talked about this. And again, there's like so much in everything that you just said. And I I want to go back and and touch on this <laughs> idea of, of of vulnerability and especially like with within men and like what that looks like. But but just like this this idea that human connection is everything. You know, like it's it's everything. And for me, I, I like fundamentally believe that human connection is the most important currency, right? Like there's people talk about money being important as a currency. People talk about managing time and how time is the most important currency. But I think that those other two things are impossible to fully experience and fully enjoy without the currency of human connection. And when you really get dialed in to to that currency and being able to, to deal with that, then, then you have like almost superpowers. Right. And that's the presence that you're talking about. That's the, yes, like that's the, that's the heart and soul of it. But just going back to this idea, like, you know, vulnerability for a lot of people, especially for guys is like, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a tough thing to address. Right. So how, in your opinion and in your experience, having traveled around the world and, and, and worked with men and women around the world, what does it look like for you for uh, for a guy to still be very masculine and in his masculine but, yeah. be, but be open and vulnerable like what does that look like to you because even like for me the ultimate the ultimate warriors out there the best like fighters and strategists in the world were the ones that took the time to understand their vulnerabilities they were the ones that for sure to like really understand that so so what does that look like for you how how can men out there still be very strong and masculine but but be able to look at these sides of themselves, which may be perceived as softer. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. You have to redefine it. Mm. For me, that's exactly it. I'm the dude that grew up fighting all the time. And now I'm the dude that can drop a tear in a second. And I, I could give two ucks about that. You know, like to me, that is actually where my power lies, is being able to shift and move and be affected by life. I am a warrior king, lover. And so deciding that that's not weakness, one. Two, understanding that whatever you practice more of, you get more of. And so, you know, being in the dance and choosing these moments and these times where, you know, something comes up. Like I called my buddies the other day and I, sh- I sent them a text message. And these are two dudes who used to call me, you know, we used to be like, shut up, you faggot, pussy. And like, you know, like I grew up super masculine, mm. not like kind of like super masculine. And I messaged my two buddies who I've known for freaking 30 something years, you know? And I was like, yo, I miss you dudes. And I I put, I miss you mofos. Right. Which is still kind of like, (laughs) right. Yeah. Like what happens is, is because I'm willing to go there, they are. So, you know, leaders go first, you know, like if you really want to take yourself on and be the best version of yourself, you're going to have to step into territory that's uncharted for you. But the reality is, is just like with anything in the world, whether it's starting a business or a podcast or anything, it may feel tricky at first, but at some point you're going to go, oh, I got this. Mm. And it's not that scary. I'm not going to die because I told my friends I missed them. And the truth is that my friends probably miss me too. They just don't know how to say it or express it. So I'll go first. Yo, I miss you mofos. Yeah, you too, my man. That's what they wrote back. All right, let's get up. Let's get on the call. Awesome. Let's do it. How's tomorrow? Dope. We get on the call. 
I find out that one of my buddies is struggling like a mug. And so I say, yo, I got you, my man. What you need? How much you need? I'll send you 2000 right now. 3000 5000 What you need? I'll send it to you right now because I love you and I know you would do it for me. This dude got super emotional on the phone. But that's, that's my truth. And that's his truth too. And like, we can hide from that and we can pretend, but the only reason we even got to that point is because I was willing to go first. I was willing to be quote unquote vulnerable. And yeah, they could have made fun of me, but what is that going to do? It doesn't change anything. I still miss them. Mm. That's solid, man. It's super solid. And I think it's, it's something that we, uh, that we'll just leave there to start wrapping up on. Cause yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause we do have to move forward, but I want to end. I, first off, I want to say thank you. Cause there's a lot of wisdom and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of like gold nuggets in there that I'm, I'm pretty sure people will go back and, and listen maybe, maybe again to, to pick some of those pieces out. But we, we love to end off with the rap, some of the rapid fire questions. And uh, so we'll just do some rapid fire and then we'll wrap up. Is that cool? Let's do it. Awesome, brother. Okay. So ready? Yep. Uh, what is the one experience you would recommend to anyone? <sighs> uh, the conscious breath, breathing, centering yourself. Mm. there's so much power in the breath it's awesome love it um most underrated trait for modern day success Mm. Uh, scheduling play awesome love it uh what's the one book that you would take with you if you were stranded on a desert island conversations with god Ooh, that's a good one uh what's the one movie that you'd take assuming that you had a tv there for some odd reason exactly (laughs) um i would take um uh ashes and snow Mm. which is a documentary cool who is the one person that's passed away that you would love to have a conversation with if he existed jesus Mm. ah actually nope my grandfather awesome on either side i never met either one of them Oh man. Okay. Those are, those are good ones. And then in your opinion, who do you feel is the most influential person in your life? Preston smiles. Boom. Love it. Uh, and then what's the legacy that you want to leave in the world? Um, to have my life be, and, and have myself be among that, you know, small group of people that literally 300, 400 years from now, they say, yo, they turned that joint around. There was, you know, 10,000, 20,000 people who got together, who pointed, you know, who, who set the compass at, at love and, and, and we were going to hit an iceberg, but they turned the Titanic around. I want to be one of those names among many others like yourself, Connor, where they go, yo, that dude was committed to love and it showed everywhere. And because of his stand in the world, other people saw theirs. Mm. It's really powerful, man. I appreciate that. And uh, we're going to end there. So just before we, just before we uh, jump off, where can people find out more information about you, about Alexi, about the book that you got coming out? Where can they, where can they uh, check you out? Uh, now or never the book.com, or you can just type in uh, at Preston smiles on anything on social media or yeah, Preston smiles.com. You'll find all of those things. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll have the links. Uh, we'll have the links below in the, in the website. Uh, so definitely go and check out Preston Smiles. He is also uh, he also rocks a YouTube channel. Uh, love your videos, brother, and and love your message. So for those who want to find out more, definitely uh, find Preston on on YouTube or follow him on Facebook because he's got some killer killer videos uh, mm-hmm. that are always inspiring. So 
Uh, for more information on other podcasts, blog posts from, from men and women around the world, uh, go to mantalks.com. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes so that you never miss an episode. And please leave us a rating. It goes, it goes a long way to, to help man it forward. Um, and we have a, a big event. We've uh, basically put on an event that we're, that we're launching this time next week. Uh, it'll be live. It's going to be on March 18th, 2017 in Vancouver, BC. We're bringing Gary Vaynerchuk, what, what, uh, and Danielle Laporte out along with a whole bunch of CEOs. And we've created a summit called the Real Talk Summit. And it's going to be all about moving business and humanity forward together. So definitely check that out, realtalksummit.com. And thank you so, so much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another inspiring conversation. 